be here. If you're here for the first time, welcome to Mosaic Church. Um, we love to worship here at Mosaic Church, and we love the Word. And um, thank you for coming. Thank you for choosing to be here. I know you, you could have chosen to go somewhere else, but you're here. Um, because you heard that there's going to be 500 donuts after the worship experience, and so that's why some of you are here. But before we begin or dive into our talk this morning, I'd like for you to tell me what you see. <laughs> All right, so who says black and blue? All right, who says gold and white? All right. I just wanted to put that up there, just, just to be, just to be uh, unique and, and to be current in our talk here. But somebody downloaded or took a picture or a screenshot of, of the actual dress um, in Amazon, Amazon.com, and it's actually, sorry, golden white people, it's black and blue. It was assigned by somebody who loves um, Backstreet Boys, and they came out with, a, with an album called Black and Blue back in the day. And so, I'm totally kidding. I don't even know what the color is, alright? So what the colors are, but for those of you who say black and blue, good for you. For those of you who say gold and white, your eyesight's messed up. Go to the doctor. Anyway. Alright, uh, like I said, if you're here for the first time at Mosaic Church, welcome. Allow me to introduce to you this church, Mosaic Church. We are a 10-month-old church, and we're turning 11 months this week. And we are glad that the Lord has given, allowed for this church to be, to be born in 2014, and we're turning one on Easter Sunday. So, if you have nothing to do on Easter Sunday, come and join us to celebrate our first anniversary. The Lord's been good. Um, and we, we are, like I said, we are convinced that this church was born for a specific purpose, for a specific time. And you are here because God brought you here. And for those of you who are new to Mosaic Church, this is our mission statement. We exist for a purpose, and this is our purpose. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the church people here have memorized this, but um, this is the mission statement that we have. It's going to be... There it is. We exist to reach people who are distant from God so that they may be made alive and included in Christ. We exist for that purpose. As long as there are people who have yet to be made alive in Christ, we will exist as a church. And quite frankly, there are so many people who have yet to experience the life-changing and life-giving activity of God in their lives. They have yet to know that. And so that is the purpose why Mosaic exists. What is your purpose? As an individual. See, most companies, most uh, organizations would have a mission statement, right? Mission statements are the summation of what they stand for and what they exist for. And I just shared with you the reason why Mosaic exists. Purpose. Purpose is an issue that I struggled with when I was a teenager. Um, it's, it's something that I, I asked myself as a 14-year-old, and even though I grew up in a very religious home, my father was a pastor, and he was very religious, and I knew a lot about the Bible, I struggled with that question. The question is, what is the purpose of my existence? Have you asked that question to yourself? Why do I exist? Why am I here? Why on earth am I here? What on earth am I here for? Why on earth do I exist? 
You see, as a teenager, I, I always liked to plan my life. Because I heard this, this from a, an old teacher of mine, and, and he said this. To fail to plan is to plan to fail. If you don't have any plans, then you're planning to fail. And I learned that as a child, and so as I grew up and as I grew older, I've always loved to plan things. I planned what to wear. Who among you here is like that? You, you plan what you want to wear today. Anyone here? I'm the only one who's crazy? All right, there's, there's a few of us who's crazy around here. All right, I love to plan what to wear. Even though they don't match, I don't care, but I plan what to wear. I, I, I have a plan what to have for lunch today. Anybody here who has a plan for lunch? Right. We, we love to plan. We're planners. That's, that's part of who we are, right? That's part of the human instinct, right? Dynamics. We like to plan ahead. And so, being a planner, I've always known that I am a man of purpose. And so, I showed you that picture of the dress with different colors because somebody showed me that and it was really trending. It was crazy, right? Somebody shared with, shared with me that picture one evening and the following day, like Facebook and the internet were just full of it, right? It's crazy. And, and I was like, what is the purpose of that? Like if the gospel of Jesus Christ spreads that fast, everybody will be a Christian by now, right? But, but what is the purpose? I have no idea what the purpose is. But it just trended and it was viral. I'm a man who wants to plan. And like you, some of you indicated, you guys love planning as well. And so, having that question in mind, what is the purpose of my life? There must be a reason for my existence because I am a planner, therefore the, I should have a purpose. Therefore, I should have a purpose. And so I tried that, to answer that question, what is the purpose of my existence, by studying different philosophies and religion. And the first philosophy that I tried to, to study was atheism. Actually, evolution. But you can't really study evolution without studying atheism. So, as I studied atheism deeper, I realized that being a planner, being a man of purpose, being a person with intentions, Atheism did not make sense to me. Because at the very core of atheism is the teaching that everything happened by chance. Right? Everything happened by chance. And I ain't going to do that. I'm not a product of chance. I just can't accept that. There are people who say, well, I, I don't really plan my life. Like, oh, I, I just take, take things by chance. Uh, like today, I have no plans. So I'm going to do, uh, I'm just going to drive around the city of Lloyd. Or maybe I'll, I'll take a long drive from here to Oyen, Alberta. Because I don't have any plans. That's a plan, you idiot! <laughs> right? You see, I cannot be a product of chance. Because if that were true, then that means my life is a result of chance. And therefore, my life is without purpose. And I cannot accept that, that idea that... My life is without reason. My life is without purpose. Will you ever believe that your life has no meaning? Will you? I don't think so. You would like to believe that you are 
worth loving, you are a person of purpose and there is a purpose for your existence. And so at the end of that study, I realized this is pointless, I'm going to move on. I concluded that in my head and in my study, atheism and evolution is baloney. I was going to say something else, but baloney, there you go. So I moved on. I moved on to Buddhism. My four parents were Buddhists, and so it was very close to my heart. It was really easy to study it for, for me. But I, I started to dig deep into that philosophy or religion, and I found out that the purpose of life is to end suffering. You exist to end suffering, or for your suffering to end. And that did not make sense to me either. I mean, it's like, the Buddha taught this, right? That humans suffer because we continually strive after things that do not give lasting happiness, like friends, health, material things. And our pursuit of those things costs us, or causes us, to suffer. Right? At the end of your work day, you feel so tired. You suffer. And so, as I was studying Buddhism, I was like, okay, I will recognize that these things are impermanent. And if my pursuit of these impermanent things will cause me sorrow, then what is the end goal of my life? Like I said, I studied deeper, and I found out this. This is one of the, the biggest teachings that a lot of people don't know. See, the less you are attached to the things and to the people around you, the less you suffer. And that is why they, they say, if, you, if, you, if you're tired and, and sick of suffering, just go to the, uh, the monastery and become a monk and, and seclude yourself. <coughs> And I was like, so okay, if I seclude myself, what is the end of my existence? What is the goal? And, and here's what I found out. The goal of life is to eventually end the cycle of rebirth. What? Because in Buddhism they believe in reincarnation. The better you live your life now, and the, the less you are attached to the things, you are born in the next life in a better state, with less suffering, and then it goes on and on and on, until you reach a point in your life when you no longer are attached to any of the things in this world, and so the death that comes after that is the end of you. You cease to exist. And I was like, I cannot buy that. I cannot. And so I moved on. I studied Islam. And my, my, my father, I remember him driving me to the mosque in Manila, and I had an appointment with the leader. And, and in my conversation with him, he said, the holy book states that the God made people in order to test every person that they may be rewarded after, after death for what they have earned. And so for, for, for that, for them, uh, life is a series of tests. 
And God will reward the people or the person who overcomes tests well. What is the purpose? I was created to be tested? Huh. And so I had to move on. The final religion that I had to study was Hinduism. And my dad again drove me to the temple and I talked to one of the leaders. And it was very enlightening to talk to one of their leaders. He said, there's no one purpose for your existence. There are four. I was like, okay, what are they? First one is the Dharma. The Dharma. Dharma is your purpose in fulfilling your duty to serve the gods who created you. The second is the Artha, which is to enjoy the prosperity that the gods give you in response to what you do for them. And then there's the Kama, which is procreation and sexual enjoyment. And then finally the Moksha, which is enlightenment, which which happens as you are reborn many, many times, almost like Buddhism. And the goal in that philosophy as well is the end of existence. Again, no purpose for life. And honestly, all of those did not make sense to me, and they did not answer the question, what is the purpose of my life? So, I, as I studied, to be honest with you, the Bible verses that, that God implanted in my heart as a child came back to life. They resurrected. And it drew me closer to the God that was introduced to me when I was a child. The God who I realized had a plan for my life and has a plan for your life. He is a planning God. See, Mark Twain, this great American author, said this. The two most important days in your life are, first, the day you were born. Second, the day you discover why you were born. Because when you discover why you were born, you will choose to live your life for that reason, for that purpose. You will try your best to fulfill the reason, the purpose for which you were born. And today we begin a new series called Dominate. We will be talking about the desire and design of God for humanity. And I'm excited about this, and that's why I titled this, this message, Reclaiming Your Purpose and Position in Christ. Because my journey of studying religions and philosophies led me closer to God and the Bible instead of away from it, and I studied the Bible more and realized that God is a God of purpose. And in my realization of, of the truth, I found that, you know what? God had always had a purpose for us, but somehow, over time and over our disobedience, we sort of lost that sense of purpose. You see, God brought you here for a purpose. He is a God of purpose. He is a God of reason, and I, I believe that it is no accident that you are here. God brought you here because He wants you to know that you are special to Him and that He wants you to discover and to reclaim your purpose and your position in Christ. The purpose and position that He has always had in mind 
for you. And here's the first lesson in this talk. You can only find your purpose in Christ. You can only find your purpose in Christ. You see, the way you will, the only way you will ever know why you exist is by finding out, finding it out through your Creator. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 12, 11 to 12 says this, It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He, being God, had His eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Does that say anything about God being a purposeful God? He's a planning God? Even before you were born, He already had a plan for you. And that is something that I can embrace. If God is in His power able to plan my life, I, I'd love that. I'd love to believe that. And it says here, part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and everyone. I love what that verse says. Because it is in Jesus Christ, it says, that we find who we are and what we are living for. In short, we can only find purpose for our lives in Jesus. He's like the architect. And we are the building. He's like the inventor. And we are the invention. If somebody comes up to you and says, here's a new invention, brother, or friend, find out what it's for. What do you do? You either look for the owner's manual, or you talk to the inventor. If God created you, and you are searching in your heart Maybe not as tedious as I did. If you're searching in your heart, what is my purpose in life? The best person to go to is the one who created you, God. And it takes faith to ask that question. God, will you reveal your purpose to me? Or you can go to the owner's manual and let you know, let that book know what your purpose is. And this is what I love about faith. This is what I love about this Christianity. You will find out your purpose if you just ask your creator. He wants for you to talk to him and ask him, implore and invoke. Talk to him. He'd be glad to respond. And also he left us a manual. Not a book of rules. But a manual for life. And a manual to discover who we are in him. <coughs> you see there was a man in the Bible named Solomon. We know him now as King Solomon. He became the richest the most intelligent man who lived in his time. And people from all over the world came to his kingdom to see his success. Even kings and queens came to him to seek advice because he was that rich and wise. But even in the middle of his success, he finds neither satisfaction nor purpose. Close to the end of his life, after amassing wealth and knowledge and relationships, he writes these words in Ecclesiastes 1, 8 and 11. He said this, I had everything a man could desire. And if you read verses 7 and up, 
you will read there, you will see and you will find out what he meant by everything that a man desires. He had palaces, he had money, he had gold, he had livestock, he had 700 wives or concubines and 300 wives. So he tried to fill his void with money, with prestige, with knowledge, with sex, with almost everything a man could desire but to his disappointment. And he said this, but as I looked at everything I had worked for so hard to accomplish, it was all meaningless chasing, like chasing the wind. Have you ever chased the wind? Pointless. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. He tried pleasure, success, education, money, sex, properties, but none of it ever gave him a sense of purpose. None of it ever gave him fulfillment. Many of us try to find fulfillment in things that don't last. And it becomes burdensome and boring eventually. Solomon said, I have all the riches in this world. I have all the money. I, have, I can have the sex, as much sex in, in this world as I want, but I have neither purpose nor happiness. It's pointless. And at the end of his life, he wrote these words. Ecclesiastes 12.1. Here's what I found out, he says. Don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him while you are young. Before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. He found out real purpose, the real meaning of life. Hey, it's, you can enjoy life. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. But enjoy life in the context of knowing that you have been created for a purpose. And he writes on at the end of that book that he wrote, the last and final word is this, he said. Fear God and do what he tells you. That means recognize God, your creator, and do and fulfill the purposes that he has for you. Find out who God is and you will realize what your purpose is in life and run after it hard. And he says eventually God will bring everything that we do out into the open and judge it according to its hidden intent, whether it's good or evil. But I'd like for you to concentrate on those words that I underlined. Fear God and do what he tells you. Know God. Discover your purpose in Him. You see, what's great about this God that we serve is this. His purposes are, number one, not burdensome. His purpose for us is not burdensome. You see, it's not a set of rules to follow or a number of rituals to perform. Finding your purpose is not achieved by praying seven times a day. It's not achieved by giving to charity. It is achieved by coming to recognize that you have a creator God who has a plan for your life. Number two, what's cool about this purpose is that it's not something you must try hard to find out about. A lot of people think, oh, it's hard to find my purpose in life. It's just impossible. But you see, the Bible 
is clear. God made sure that His purpose for us is completely obvious. That's why He left the Bible for us. And a lot of people say, well, the Bible is really hard to read. It's boring. It's, it, has, it has a lot of really weird names and that are hard to pronounce, right? Somebody came up to me and said, I tried reading the Bible and I was, I was on the second page and I just fell asleep. It's, it's that boring. Because it is a collection of stories that spans more than 5,000 years. But if you're going to read the Bible again, try reading it again for, for a different purpose. You want to discover your purpose. But I'd like for you to start in the book of John. Don't start anywhere else. Start in the book of John. But like I said, I'm going back to this point. Anyone who reads or hears about the teaching of the Bible or the Bible itself, you can discover, anyone can discover their purpose in God. It's really clear. In fact, the verse, the next verse that we're about to read tells us the actual purpose that God has for us. Which leads me to this next point. This next point is this. Your purpose is to be a part of God's family. That is your purpose, brothers and sisters. That is your first and primary purpose. It is amazing to know that God created you to be a part of His family. The Bible tells us that we are objects of His love and He wants us to be part of His family. And the Bible says, it, this is the verse I'm talking to you about. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 to 5. It's beautiful. It's going to come out soon. There. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. Even before He made the world. I want you to read this with me. That underlying phrase. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His family by bringing us to Himself through whom? Through Jesus Christ. This is what He what? wanted to do. And it gave Him great pleasure. God's design for you and for me has always been this. He created you to be a part of His family. He wants for you to experience His love. He wants for you to know that He is God and He's able to provide for you and to experience the greatness that He possesses in your life. That is your purpose, to be a part of the family of God. Now, the Bible tells us too here. God loved us and chose us. These are two very important words to speak about intentionality. There's intention. You can't love anyone without intention, right? Agree? Love is always driven by an intention. It's always driven by purpose. And if God loved us, then there is an intention behind it. And He chose us. Another, another beautiful word about intention. About purpose. God loved you and He chose you. And I love this word, this phrase. Even before the foundation of the world, even before He created the universe, He already had you in mind. Aren't you thankful? And the next verse is this Colossians came out a little while ago, but uh, it's going to come out there. Colossians 1.16, for everything, absolutely everything, God started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. And who's that Him? It's Jesus. That verse 
Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 1 verses 4 to 5 says, It is the intention of God to bring us to Himself through Jesus Christ. We can only know our purpose in life through Jesus. In fact, we become a part of the family of God through Him. For everything, absolutely everything got started in Him and, it's, and we find our purpose in Him. In fact, we read earlier in Ephesians 1, and I read this to you, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. So, maybe somebody here is asking in their heads, wait, Pastor John, do you mean that I don't belong to God's family? Am I not a creation of God and therefore I belong to His family? Friends, not necessarily. He may have created you, but you do not yet belong to Him. How did that happen? He's the inventor, right? Yes, but He gave you a choice. A choice to whether fulfill your purpose, the original purpose that God has for you, or a choice to follow your own way and to fulfill a purpose that you think is yours. In fact, Romans chapter 1 verses 21 to 23 says this. Yes, we knew God, but we wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And we began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, our minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. Instead, we became utter fools. We chose to do our own thing and lost our purpose. That is called sin in the Bible. It is sin that caused us to lose our perfect standing, our original standing before God. What is sin? Sin basically is disobedience to God's will. Sin made us lose our sense of purpose and position in God's family. But you know what's good news? This is good news. Nothing, absolutely nothing can stand against God's love for us. Not even the worst sin you could ever think of. His love for us remains. And that is exemplified and beautifully demonstrated in the coming of Jesus Christ. Like I said, the original plan of God was for us to be part of His family. But we lost that because we decided not to be a part of His family. But He sent Jesus to restore us back to that family. Do you want to be restored to the family of God? See, Romans chapter 3, verse 22 to 24 says this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes can be restored back to the purpose that God originally intended for us. To be part of His family. It is your faith that will cause you to be born into the family of God once again. Let me continue reading. It says, No matter who we are, this is true for everyone who believes. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are what? 
righteous, meaning forgiven, no matter what sin or what bad person you have been, you're able to come into, come back into the family of God. Through whom? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. God freely and graciously declares you forgiven. And He did this through Christ when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. What is the penalty of our sin? It's eternal separation from God. When we first chose to disobey God, we were separated from God. But if we don't make it back to God through Jesus Christ, we will be forever separated from God. Can you imagine that? Living an eternity apart from the person who created you. It's almost like saying you're living apart from the mother who gave birth to you or the dad who loved you. When we receive Jesus, we are able to reclaim our purpose and our position to be part of the family of God. And this is the final point. You receive all that God has in store for you when you receive Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 17 to 21 tells us of the benefits of becoming a part of the family of God. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Meaning that you would be wise in your life and that God would reveal himself to you in greater ways. So that you may know him better. Becoming a child of God again allows you and leads you to come to know the Father even more. Don't you just want to? Experience that to know who God is in a deeper way. And quite frankly, that's what I felt as a 14-year-old trying to search for my purpose in life. What God did was He made His presence and love even more obvious. It says here, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His people. And in His incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength He extended when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. What does that mean? If you read through those scriptures once more, you will find three very important things. First is this, you get to know God more intimately, and I mentioned that a while ago. There is nothing better than to be intimately connected to the God who created you. Second is this, you discover your inheritance and your eternal life. Becoming a child of God, what do you get? If God is the creator of the universe and God is the, the creator of all these things, the Bible tells us that the original design for mankind is to have dominion over creation. When God created mankind, 
His first intention was to have family members. But at the same time, it's almost like a father running a business. The Lord has created this earth. And He wanted His creatures, His people, more importantly, humanity, to dominate. To have dominion. Are you getting the point that we just read? He, he allows you to discover your glorious inheritance when you become a child of God. See, that's the thing. A lot of us have walked so far away from God and we have forgotten. We, we don't realize that if we ever become a child of God once again or back into His family, you have glorious inheritance that awaits you. Do you want inheritance? Or would you rather live measly with the things that you have now? Third truth. Third. You experience God's power. He gives the authority to you to overcome. And you will never have to feel defeated or overcome by anything anymore when you realize that you are a child of God. You live a victorious life. No matter what you go through in life, I'm not saying that you will never go through difficulties, but you will have the attitude of a victor. Because 1 John 5, 5 tells us this. Who is it that overcomes the world? And I quoted this a while ago. It is he, or it is they, who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. <laughs> Today I will give you the opportunity to become a part of the family of God. Like I said, it's not difficult to discover the purpose of God for you. We just talked about it. But the question is, would you like to be a part of the family of God, which is His original purpose for you? Do you want that? Do you want to know God intimately? Do you want to discover your inheritance in Him? Do you want to live a victorious life? If that is your desire, you can only have those when you become a part of the family of God. You, you, you fulfill the purpose that God has for you. And that could only happen, the Bible says, when you receive Christ into your life. It is through Christ that you become child of God. John chapter 1 verse 12 says that. But to those who believe Him, God gave the right to become children of God. Those who believe in His name. And so I'd like for us to bow our heads and all our eyes closed. I'd like to invite you right now to give your life to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I, I want that life. I want to fulfill the purpose that the Father has always had for me. I want to be a part of the family. I want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior because I know now that it is only through you that I become a part of the family of God. If that is what you want, if that is your desire, I'd like for you to say this very simple prayer of faith. It's a matter of just inviting Him into your life. Talking to Him and saying these words. If this is what you want to do, 
Repeat after me and mean it with all of your heart. Jesus, thank you that through you I am able to find my purpose in life. That through you I can become a child of God. Jesus, I now believe in your name. And according to the Bible, those who believe in your name becomes a child of God. Jesus, thank you that you came to die on the cross to pay for my sins. Thank you that you rose again from the grave to seal my victory. And if I have you in my life, I will never have to fear anything ever again. I want to be an overcomer. I want to be victorious. I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. Live in me. Change my life. If that is prayer that you pray, you just entered a new relationship with God. You just became His child. You have just reclaimed your purpose and your position in God.